Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the latest episode of Damn It with me, Beaver. I know that sometimes nuns get a bad rap and there's always the person who thinks they're the most interesting man in the world, but I'm going to tell you, we have the most interesting woman in the world. I have Barbara Daniels or Sister Barbara Daniels, and you are going to hear the story of an amazing nun, my wine drinking nun. Uh, who I just, I've, I've met her several times. I've just fallen in love with her, and I hope you do too. Welcome to the show, Barbara Daniels. How are you today? Oh, very fine, and thank you for inviting me. <laughs> I've been looking forward to sharing some of my stories. And As you know, I have plenty of them. Yes, yes, you do, and they're very interesting. I could just sit and talk to you for hours. So what most people are going to find out is that you are a nun and you have done teaching and you've done missionary work and you've traveled so many different places throughout the world. But let's get your backstory. Let's hear about the wee little Barbara Daniels from years ago. Let's start there. I'd be happy to because literally it all began there. And the there is a small coal mining town in Pennsylvania called Coaldale even though, take note, I was born in New York City. However, my parents moved back home for them to Coaldale. And I was a very outgoing person. I love to talk. I love to meet people. And my sister was 14 months younger than me, so I couldn't play with her. All the people on the block I could play with were all boys. Now, to a three-year-old, that's not exciting. But when you turn 16, that's wonderful. (laughs) However, my cousin lived at the end of the street. His, His father and my mother were brother and sister. And he took me under his wing. And he was a year older than me. So he would go to school and I'd have nothing to do. And so I used to follow him. And this was kind of dangerous because even though it was a one-horse town, the horses in the intersections didn't always agree. And my parents warned me, be careful when you cross the street. Well, I did go to kindergarten when I was three years old. They got special permission. And I stayed in kindergarten two years because they didn't have daycare then and they didn't have preschool or anything like that. So in the mornings, I went to kindergarten and in the afternoons, I would cross the street 
and go to St. Cyril and Methodius School. Now, that was the name of the church. The school was the basement. And as would have it, the windows were large. And so I could sit on the windowsill outside and the nun teaching there saw my shadow and she would send my cousin out to get me. So Jerry would bring me into school and I was always there for the afternoons. And in those days, the school, we had four classrooms. First and second grade was together, third and fourth. So they were double grades. And so he was in second grade then, and I would go in and they always had Bible study, stories of the Bible. Mm -hmm. And I would sit there mesmerized because I didn't know any of these stories. Well, this went on and on. And Sister Irene was the name of the first and second grade teacher. And I would be lucky enough to have her when I went first and second grade. Now, her blood sister was a missionary in our order, which is called the Missionary Sisters of the Sacred Heart. And she would sometimes tell stories that her sister wrote home about or show pictures. Mm -hmm. And as luck would have it, my babysitter growing up, Bernadine, lived three houses down from me. She was a high school student, and I was in her May procession, and her mother I'd call mom because I almost lived in their house. Mm -hmm. Her big brother was a Catholic priest who was a missionary in Papua New Guinea. Are you getting the gist of this? I am I'm hearing that. stories, seeing pictures of missionaries in Papua New Guinea. Now, um, one day, I was actually in third grade when this happened. Uh, the school supervisor came around and asked, how many of you want to be a sister when you grow up? Well, that didn't mean anything to me. I wasn't sure what a sister was because I had a baby sister. Yeah. And so everybody in this third grade class, the girls, raised their hands. Oh, I want to be a sister. And I didn't raise my hand. And she looked at me and said, don't you want to be a sister? And I said, no, I want to be a missionary when I grow up. And I want to go to Papua New Guinea. <laughs> and she looked at me and laughed. That's all she could do. I had no idea the difference between a sister, a missionary, and a nun at that mm -hmm. time. Anyway, as I grew up, those stories and those dreams started to evolve. When I was a student in high school, I uh, would, on the days we had off from school and the students in the grade school at school, I would go and help sister, you know, teach or watch the kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. And she asked me if I would like to, when I was in eighth grade, no, high school, she would ask me, would I be, would I like to teach, help her? teach the children who go to public school. And one day a week, they got out from school for an hour early and they had religion class. It was called release time then. And so I said, yeah, I'd like that. And so she gave me a group of about six 
first graders. And she said, teach them some stories from the Bible. And she had charts there with pictures and uh, teach them how to pray and tell them the stories about Jesus and God. So I did that and I loved it. I loved it. And that put in me as a high school student, gee, this thought of maybe I'd like to do this, mm-hmm. teach others about Jesus and God and how much they're loved by God and the stories I learned growing up. And eventually, and believe me, I went to the prom, I had a boyfriend and all those good things. I was in the band in high school. I played the trumpet. Um, I, I just had a normal high school life, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, prom, uh, all kind of stuff. Anyway, uh, my junior year, I started thinking, you know, um, should I be a teacher or a nurse? Uh, because I was a candy striper down at the local hospital. Okay. And my girlfriend and I would talk about, oh, when we leave, uh, we're going to go together to Hawaii and have a good time. And uh, we used to go window shopping and all that kind of stuff. Well, by the end of my junior year, I started thinking seriously about what will I do? Because uh, everybody's talking about what college you're going to and this and that. Mm-hmm. And it so happened, my eighth grade teacher, her name was Sister Felicia, called me once and said, would you like to drive us to Reading? Now, Coldale to Reading is a good hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those days, the nuns did not drive. And I was just happy enough. My dad would give me the car to drive the nuns to Reading. <laughs> I had no idea why I was driving these nuns to Reading, but they had an ulterior motive. They saw something in me, uh, my outgoingness, my perkiness, and my love of travel and meeting people. And the fact, the story was remembered that I said, I'd like to be a missionary and go to Papua New Guinea someday. So when I drove them to Reading and my best friend came with me, you know, both of us went. So Mm -hmm. it wasn't just me. And it was that they were having a gathering of high school students uh, just to come and see where they live, their main headquarters, which was in Reading, Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And so we had a nice day toward the place. They fed us well, told us stories, showed us around. And of course, we prayed a little bit. And then they told us about their stories, what they do. Uh, the majority of our sisters were either teachers or in healthcare. Um, we also ran an orphanage, uh, all kinds of things like the health resorts. Mm-hmm. And at that time, there were about 350 missionary sisters of the Sacred Heart working in the United States in different states. And some were actually in Papua New Guinea. So to make a long story short, (laughs) I said, oh, Papua New Guinea. And I asked the question, uh, what do you have to do to become a missionary and go to Papua New Guinea? Mm -hmm. I said, that was a dream I had since I was a little girl. And they looked at each other and laughed and said, well, you first have to go to college 
and you have to become a sister. And that takes anywhere from, you know, five to eight years. And uh, you have to have some practice here. You, In other words, you have to have a trade, right, right. Uh, a ministry. And I said, well, I'd like to teach. And this is, that's wonderful, you know. So it looked like it could be possible, but like all those years to study and do the, I, like, I can't imagine what you're going to do in all this time. I wanted to get on a plane and go to Papua New Guinea. Right. <laughs> well, she curbed my enthusiasm by saying, and do you know where Papua New Guinea is? I said, yes, I found it on the map. <laughs> and she said, and they speak different languages. You have to learn the culture or at least about it and mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. So I put that in my pipe and smoked it for a while and uh, just thought, you know, I'm going to give this some thought and some prayer. Like, you know, God, do you really want me to do this? Or is this a dream? Which it was. Yeah, yeah. But how realistic is it? And the one, it's humorous, as seniors in high school, we took a test. And I don't know why it was from the Air Force. Everybody had to take this test. It was like an aptitude test. Okay. Well, my highest score came out for mechanics, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> and, um, you know, personality and all this kind of stuff that I'd be good as a teacher, a counselor, uh, somebody. I have high gifts for encouraging, for listening, outgo, all that kind of stuff, communication. And I said, yeah, that's me. Okay. Well, so the day I entered the convent to become a nun, uh, I was getting letters from the Air Force to come and, you know, join the Air Force. Mm -hmm. But um, I joined God's force. God's force is a force of love, of compassion, Mm -hmm. healing, forgiving, teaching others from my own experience that God is love, forgiveness, compassion. God does hear our prayers, even though we don't get them answered always the way we want. Right. You know, I want rain, but, you know, uh, the farmer wants rain. I don't. Uh, I want one thing. Somebody else wants something else. And I remember having talks with God. How do you know who to listen to? Now, that's a child's perception. Mm-hmm. And that's where I realized, oh, I need to become in relationship with God in a deeper way. I need these experiences before I could talk about them. I didn't know enough to talk about God or his love or his forgiveness. I needed to experience all of that. And so those years of becoming a sister And by the way, I'm not a nun. I'm a sister. And here's the difference. Mm -hmm. A nun is somebody who lives in a monastery. And they usually stay there. They don't travel. They don't, they go to a doctor. They go certain things, but they won't go out and to a restaurant. They won't, they'll go to church, but actually they have their church right there. Mm -hmm. They're more what we call monastic cloister um they make vestments for the 
priests. They sew beautiful things. And you've heard of uh, uh, jellies and jams and cakes and all this. Well, they do that kind of stuff. They make things. So that's how they support themselves Mm -hmm. besides donations. Okay. Okay. They don't move from place to place. I'm not a nun. And when I realized that, I don't think I could be to stay in one place, uh, not really go out. People come to you and interact, but it's a totally different kind of vocation within the vocation of being a consecrated virgin. Okay. Mm -hmm. To like Jesus Christ is my, I claim my husband, my spouse, my lover. But it took time for me to even feel comfortable saying stuff like that. Right, right. Um, I'm a sister and I'm an apostolic sister, which means I go out, I teach, I come home, I pray with my other sisters. We have meals together, prayers together, uh, but we go to our ministry One could be a nurse I'm living with. Somebody else could be a social worker. It's not necessarily we all do the same thing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I found I love the life. You know, I could, yeah, I could do this. I could do this. And of course, it's not easy. I won't say that. It took some getting used to, like, especially the silence part and uh, the part of. The silence part? The silence part. Yeah, I know. We had something called grand silence, which meant the time might be we'd have evening prayer together and it might end at, well, and we'd have some recreation. You know, you'd be sitting around telling stories, playing games. I used to love to play Parcheesi. That's the only time you could really get, you know, get your energy up and start trying to go after somebody and it usually was after the superior you know sister Mm -hmm. in charge (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, sometimes we sing sometimes we sew or something but um after that we'd go to chapel and pray say our night prayer and then it was grand silence you did not talk after that it was absolute silence and how long did that last until breakfast. <laughs> well, at least you got to sleep through most of the silence. I just hope nobody snored because then they no. would be breaking the silence. <laughs> no, actually, I don't remember hearing anybody snore. I don't know if I snored. Um, however, um, in the morning, you'd get up and there'd be a bell that would be rung, you know, to wake you up. So, because we didn't have clocks mm-hmm. that were, you know, we had a little mirror, and uh, of course, when you turned it, there was a holy, like picture, like a picture of Jesus or of Mary or something holy. Mm-hmm. When you turn the mirror over, <laughs> but um, it was regimented, especially my first three years. So, would you say that you all had to be on the same schedule? You all kind of went to bed at the same time. You all got up at the same time. You all ate at the same time. Stuff like that. Yes. Okay. Very much so. And uh, we didn't go out. 
uh, especially the second year. The first year, uh, we would go out in, especially on Sundays, we'd go out to visit uh, the women who were residents in our personal care home mm -hmm. across the, the town of Reading. And we'd go visit them for about an hour, hear their stories, listen to them. They wanted to know what we were doing. So it was a little bit of a taste of what it means to bring that love of God, his listening heart to somebody who's living in pain as these women could be or in loneliness, uh, being a presence to them just by our own presence to express that somebody cares and that God is the one above everyone who cares for them. Mm -hmm. uh, so that we did every Sunday. So that was always wonderful. And it gave me a little sense of this is a little bit about what my life will be like. Mm -hmm. The rest of the week was studying. Uh, we took extension courses from Villanova University. Some of our sisters were the professors. They would teach us uh, language arts, English, uh, history, math, in different normal college courses. Mm -hmm. And then we got a chance to go out for, I think it was about two weeks uh, in between like spring and summer to one of the convents where our sisters were teaching. And you got to see how they lived and join them. They weren't regimented. They were teaching. They had their own responsibilities. And actually, I was in a place called Limeport which is outside of Allentown. And I was actually, I remember ironing something and the TV was on. And see, we didn't have TV here, mm -hmm. you know, so this was something. TV was on. And that was the day JFK, not JFK, um, his brother Robert was killed. Oh, wow. And it was on TV. Yeah, that was 1968. And it was like, oh, my gosh, you know, I couldn't believe it. So there were things in my experience that, oh, these sisters have a TV. They can watch it. You know, I was watching the news, but I never saw the news. You know, it was our history teacher would give us a synopsis of the nightly news. We didn't have a TV here. Yeah. You know, so it was a real training. It was kind of like a boot camp, I guess. You know, if you would compare it to being a recruit. Okay. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the second year was very strict. They call that your canonical year. Uh, that means canon law says for one complete year, you must concentrate on scripture and prayer, period, mm -hmm. to discern. Is this really what you're being invited to do with the rest of your life? Is this only a pipe dream? Or is God really inviting you to this life, this relationship with him, and this desire to share that relationship with every person you meet? Mm -hmm. And so it's a very intense spiritual year. Um, 
You're not studying anything except scripture, uh, theology, uh, prayer. And so it's a, it's like a long retreat, actually. Mm-hmm. However, we did have our, our fun times. We, every day we could go down the hill and play volleyball or soccer. Well, we didn't have soccer. It was volleyball or baseball. And, um, then you had your chores, you learned how to sew and do more things like that, how to work in the chapel. How, it was a more domestic kind of a thing, okay? Mm-hmm. And then after that year, you were much freer. And at that time, Alvernia University, which was Alvernia College at that time, and it was only for uh, some sisters who would be studying there. They were just starting up this mm-hmm. college. And it would, at that time, only be a college for women. And mm-hmm. lo and behold, one of my classmates from Marion High School was there. Okay, you're going to have to hold on to that thought because we're getting into the bottom of this uh, half hour, but we'll be back in a couple of minutes with Sister Barb. J-Pound. I've got something to tell you. Size matters. But it's not what you think. For every pound of weight you gain, your body has to grow approximately five miles of blood vessels. This means your heart has to work a lot harder and vascular supply to vital organs is decreased. Weight gain doesn't just happen in your waist, but your face, arms, chest, hips, and thighs. So those inches can really add up. What we think is just a few pounds can be the determining factor for how healthy your heart really is. So start making small changes today to lose that extra girth and get the blood to the right places. There can't be smoke without fire, so let's light it up. Go to Smoke Show Fitness on Facebook or contact Smoke Show Fitness for personalized nutrition and fitness coaching. 405-240-1807. Adopting an animal is not always sunshine and rainbows. Some animals will need extra care and empathy. You don't know the past of that animal and what they've experienced, so you will need to have patience and compassion for those creatures. I adopted Charlie, my Chihuahua Corgi mix, in July of 2017, and he did come with some medical issues and aggression issues. And it took time once we cleared those medical issues for him to learn to trust us. But now that he has, he is the best dog ever. And I know most people say that, and most of them are not wrong. So if you're considering adoption, do your research on the breed and understand that you will need to take time to acclimate that dog to their environment. If you cannot adopt, please consider donating to a rescue in your area or donate to the rescue of the month by using the hashtag DAMMIT.
Welcome back to the second half of Damn It with me, Beaver. I am joined with sister Barbara Daniels, and we're going to get to her story. But first, I want you to go to mojo50.com. You can make a one-time contribution or make a recurring contribution that will help this uh, platform stay alive and have everyone hashtag live free. Uh, Don't forget, you can also get your fan gear. And don't forget, KBMD CBD oil. You have to go and get that. Use the promo code MOJO50 and get $15 off one bottle. If you decide that you want to order more than one bottle, do separate orders. And that promo code MOJO50 will apply the discount to each order. And if you want something heavenly, why not go to MyPillow.com using the promo code MOJO50 and get some amazing discounts. You can get a pillow, you can get bath towels, you can get the mattress topper, which is by far my favorite thing that my pillow sells. They also have the slippers and so much more. So get yourself closer to God by going to mypillow.com and getting some heavenly gear for yourself using that promo code MOJO50 to save and get some money off of your order. So Sister Barbara, you can continue your story. You were somewhere and you found somebody from Moravian. When I was at Alvernia College, they accepted some women who were not interested in becoming sisters. And I found one of my best friends from high school. That's Marion High School. And she had enrolled there. And it was wonderful to go out to a college and take classes. And it was determined that I would be a teacher. And since they needed math teachers, and my math marks on my transcripts were out of this world, hint, hint, heavenly, I uh, said, yeah, I love math. I'd be happy to be a math teacher. And so I began my studies for secondary education and math concentration Okay. with a minor in science. And it ended up being a minor in physics. Anyway, um, that year, my second year of studies also included time for vacation. I could go home for, at that time, it was one week, and visit my family. And I could go to our little summer house in the Fleetwood Hills, about 20 minutes from where I lived here. And we had an above-ground swimming pool. And I don't know if I should call it a little lake or a big pond, but... Uh, it was flowing water mm-hmm. and they could turn off the valves and we could take a little rowboat out there. Uh, we could swim, uh, all that kind of stuff, which made it nice to get a bathing suit on. And, you know, not that we sunbathed, but you had to get your bathing suits dry. Right. So it was almost like being normal. Okay. Uh, from the year before, which was so regimented Mm -hmm. and got to stay up yippee till 10 o'clock instead of nine (laughs) o'clock. So we could complete our homework and get everything ready because the next morning we were getting up at five 30. 
So you didn't want to step too late. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, by the end of that year, uh, I was assigned to stay here. Oh, let me back up. The end of that summer, we had a one-week retreat after summer school. Mm -hmm. And on August 22nd, 1968, I pronounced my vows. That is, I vowed my life to God. However, unlike a regular relationship with a human, uh, you can't put your arms around Jesus Christ. You can't kiss Jesus Christ. Um, how do I know this is going to work? Um, I think I'm going to be faithful, and I think I really want this, but I didn't get any well, email didn't exist then. I didn't get any text or email or phone call or anything from God saying, Barbara, I love you. I want you to be my spouse. And so you get this commitment and it almost feels awful because you say, I vow for one year. And you do that five times, five different years. Okay. Because it's such a, momentous experience at that moment in my heart I vowed forever and I think my friends who there were 10 of us I think we all in our hearts said forever and in fact one of the cards uh, another sister made me said say yes 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 he'll ask the questions later you're saying yes, but you don't know what he's going to ask of you. And that's why uh, they give the young woman five years to experience life as a missionary sister of the Sacred Heart in this country, doing ministry, and in the summers, continuing their education. So, uh, and we also took Okay, let me put it this way. That first year after I made that first, we call it profession, my profession of faith, that I am saying yes to God, that I will be the spouse of Jesus Christ. In my heart, I'm saying forever. Mm -hmm. I was assigned to stay right here at our headquarters and live as a professed sister. And that means the external sign was I received the habit. It was a, a black dress. Uh, we wore a belt. And on that belt, we had these long rosaries. Um, we wore uh, a cross. We got our cross. And we got the veil. We called that outfit our habit. And um, we wore that all the time, except when we had recreation to go swimming. Otherwise, we wore that dress. Uh, and the veil had, we called it a band across our forehead. And you people knew by looking at you, you were a sister. They didn't know you, 
but by what you are wearing, they knew who you belonged to. Mm -hmm. You belonged to Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And they expected you to act differently. You were always representing more than yourself. And sometimes that really scared me because I was, my initials, my name is Barbara Ann Daniels. So my initials give you a hint. B-A-D. <laughs> you laugh, but you talk to my sister, my blood sister, and she'll say, those initials certainly were right. Yes, because I love she it. tells me, I joined the convent to do penance for my childhood. <laughs> and what I did, I, I was naughty. I uh, gave her a haircut that the hairdresser could not even fix. And uh, she was wearing a kerchief all of July that year. I uh, took the lighter out of my dad's car. We used to get in the car and make believe we're driving. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know you put the lighter in, you know, and I touched it to her lips. I didn't know it was going to burn her. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, I gave my brother stitches twice, but uh, I mean, <laughs> in my defense, <laughs> he deserved one of them. Uh, oh. No, he didn't. Oh, my God. So, yeah, it sounds like we had, uh, you know, your children, you live, you learn, there right. are things you do. It's not that you have a hateful heart. It's just, right. you're a child, and you're learning as you're growing. And you, you know, obviously learn, never put the lighter from the car up to your sister or anybody's lips or skin again. Right. Um, right. So, uh, so after you completed your five years, uh, and you made your final vow. Is that when you went into teaching? No. After my first full year at Alvernia College, mm -hmm. I was assigned to teach. And I was jumping for joy. I didn't have to study this year. And I was transferred to Philadelphia to St. Henry's School. This school has a thousand students. Now, the town I grew up in just had maybe 2,000 people in it. Yeah. So this was something, for by comparison, okay? It was two separate buildings and three stories. There were three of every class. So give you an idea, I was quite overwhelmed. Now, understand, I was told I was going to teach third grade. Here I am coming from advanced calculus, psychology, uh, philosophy, physics, all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they said, but don't worry. You're going to get the super smart third grade because they went according to reading levels. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, this did not help me because as I like to say, I didn't know a schwa from a diphthong and a schwa is something I can't even tell you now. A diphthong is like GH, you know, like in, uh, though, T-H-O-U-G-H. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you what a diphthong is anymore. And my greeting group, these super smart kids, my first year teaching, and I know nothing. They're on the fourth grade reading level. And guess what? In the fourth grade readers, they don't put the answers in the teacher's book. So I did, I had the questions, but I didn't know the answers. <laughs> well, you're just supposed to know you're the teacher. You that's should not right, have that's one. That's right. Okay. But they forgot me. I didn't do first, second grade and third right. grade. 
Right. And I mean, and, even at, at a fourth grade that's advanced, they're not doing physics and calculus and all that I, stuff. So that I didn't know how to talk to these kids. Definitely out of your um, element. Yes. And the first day was the most horrible day of my life. We started off by going to church, the whole school for mass, because it's the first day of school and it's raining. So you have kids with umbrellas, you know. Mm-hmm. poking each other with umbrellas <laughs> and it was horrible and then we came back and um i started teaching you know the, everything you have a program what you're supposed to do mm-hmm. well i went to the principal at lunchtime and i said i'm finished I, what do i do the rest of the day i did everything <laughs> she said start over again i'm sure they didn't get it <laughs> but The thing is, in my class, I had the superintendent's son. His name was Thomas Forkin. And his dad was one of the superintendents. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I was double scared. And what happened was I started teaching the lessons. And um, I said, well, I don't know the answers. So I would say, what do you see in this word? Can you tell me what letters make a schwa or a diphthong, whatever the question was? And they'd be raising their hands, str, str, str. and I'd call on somebody and they'd give me an answer, but I had no idea if it was correct. So I'd call on the second person. Do you agree with what Joe said? Yes, sister. What about you, Susie? Do you agree? Yes, sister, he's correct. So I figured, okay, <laughs> that's what the answer is. Four and out of four doctor kids say the answer is right. It must be right. <laughs> correct, correct. <laughs> but one of my favorite stories of teaching that class of third grade, I love to make up stories. And I was telling them this, I, you know, if they were behaving, I'd tell them a story. And I was telling them the story of, I think it was Rapunzel, you know, the princess who lets down her hair Mm -hmm. for the prince. And for some reason, um, he goes blind. I I don't know if he falls into a bush or something. I have no idea of the details. Anyway, um, she lets her hair down, climbs down out of her tower. And um, she's crying over him uh, because he's blind. And he gets back his sight. And here's superintendent's son raising his hand. Sister, what chemical were in those tears that cured her blindness? And I looked at him and I said, it was magic. The magic of love. He goes home and tells his father this. And his father calls me the next day and says, I loved your answer to Rapunzel curing the blindness of her boyfriend. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I was always thinking on my feet. I just, one thing after the other. And Mm -hmm. that's how this class was all year. Challenging. I was learning. And believe it or not, they learn in spite of me and my lack of knowing how to talk to third graders and teach them timetables. I mean, I could do calculus and they want me to teach them why three times four is 12. It's because it is, you know? Right, right. But um, I learned together with them. But the next year, 
I was, I went upstairs to the second floor and I taught sixth grade, which was a step up. And there I got to teach uh, religion. I got to teach math, science, and even French. So it was uh, a little bit of everything, music. Uh, they had departmental, so it was a little bit more exciting than staying in your classroom and trying to teach math and, you know, reading so much of it. And then a little bit of, you know, I don't think they even had science in third grade, you know, not like they do today. Yeah, yeah. So it was a real experience for me. Mm -hmm. After being there three years, I was asked to go to Nazareth, Pennsylvania. And I was there for six years and I loved it. I absolutely loved it um, because the missionary priests of the Sacred Heart had that church, that parish, and that's the same order I am. So it was the same, we call it charism. That charism is uh, the gift to the church of a special uh, spirituality. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And so um, being with our MSC priest, MSC is Latin for Missionary of the Sacred Heart, Missionarie Sacratissimi Cordis, MSC. And I have those initials after my name. Anyway, having the experience from Philadelphia, where I was called Sister Marie Michael, because in those days, you changed your name, just like Peter became, I mean, Simon became Peter, uh, Saul became Paul, Levi became Matthew. Well, it's a sign that God has called you for a special work, a special mission, sharing his mission. Mm -hmm. Like when we're christened, we get a name and it's how we're immersed in the life and love of God. Okay. Anyway. We had a, a meeting, not, I wasn't part of it, but each country has representatives at a big international meeting called a chapter where they examine the life of our congregation in the world and they change rules, uh, how we can serve the church and the people better, uh, how we can live better, what we're called to live. And to make a long story short, they said we could now go back to our baptismal name. So I said, yes, because I love the name Barbara. Okay. I took the name Marie Michael because Michael is our family name. My grandfather, my father, my brother, mm -hmm. my nephews, my nieces, Michelle, Michael Ann, Michael Lee. We were all Michaels. That's a good, strong name. And so I took it after my father. But as much as I like Marie Michael, I loved Barbara. And so I went back to my baptismal name. So when my suitcases came from Philadelphia to Nazareth, they preceded me and it said, Sister Marie Michael. And some of the kids were taking the stuff from the car to the convent, the house. And they're saying, I thought we were getting a Sister Barbara. And they said, Oh, yeah, she changed that. Well, then you try to explain why you changed your name. Mm -hmm. So you get into your first called 
through your baptism. That's your first call by God to share in his life and love and work that he has specifically for you as you go through life. And that's why I went back to my baptismal name. Okay, that satisfied him. But here I am, departmental, seventh and eighth grade. And there I was math, I, the, the French, they always were studying German there, but I could do some French. And then uh, this is one of the stories, one of my horror stories. <clears throat> I had only 18 students and it was a gift because if I had any more, I think I would have quit teaching right there. They were God's challenge to me, to say the least. Mm. And the science there, the teachers changed classrooms, not the students. Okay. Mm -hmm. The teacher had, the science teacher came into my room and had a terrarium in the back of the room. And in it, I did not know. She had, it must have been a garden snake, okay? okay? And I'm at the blackboard doing some kind of math on the board, you know, writing. And all of a sudden, I turn around and I panic. There's this snake right under my chin. And one of the boys, <laughs> of course, who's taller than me, <laughs> has it stretched right under my chin. And I said, I can't panic. So I looked at him with my sternest, laughless face. And I said, put that down now, or you will not see tomorrow. And he looked at me, he goes, yes, sister. He turns around and goes back to the terrarium and put it down. I had no idea, no idea <laughs> if he would have done that, what I would have done. Well, at least but, that snake didn't ask you to eat an apple or anything like that. So it no, would have no, been no, okay. no, 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 no. <laughs> but these boys were unbelievable. Um, and to this day, I could tell you their names because you're always calling the names. You're always calling their names. And um, I had them convinced or they were convinced that I had eyes behind my head because at the end of the day, like before the bell rang for dismissal, I would, you know, take a damp cloth and wash the board. And um, they were still blackboards in those days. Yeah. And they never realized, of course, I could see what's going on. I'm washing the board with water, a watered sponge. <laughs> and I'd say, so-and-so, stop this. Dude. And they go, how does she know what we're doing? Uh, mirror uh, effect. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said I have eyes behind my head and I wear antenna under this veil. Mm -hmm. I hear everything you're doing and saying. And I think they believed it for a while. But oh. I loved it there. Mm -hmm. um, it gave me a different perspective on family life because I was invited into the homes of my students for different things. I got to know the families. Um we put on shows and I said, you know what? These are eight. My homeroom was eighth grade. I said, these are eighth graders. I don't have to do anything. 
All I have to do is encourage. And I'm great at encouraging and seeing what they can do. And they said, well, sister, what are we going to do for the show? And I said, what do you want to do? And they said, really? I said, yes. And so it was at Christmas time, uh, a Christmas show they had to put on each grade. And of course, eighth grade had to be the la-di-da stuff. So they said, could we do, and this one plays this instrument, that one plays that instrument. And they put the whole thing together. And they said they wanted to do the um, 12 Days of Christmas. And I hate that song. I absolutely hate that song. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, why do you want to do that? Well, we could do so much. We could make all the things and then uh, we could act it out as we're singing it and playing it. Mm -hmm. I said, go to it. It was wonderful. I mean, they did so many things. At the end, the parents and the the principal and the pastor said, how did you ever get them to do that? I said, I just told them, do what you want to do as long as I approve it. It was wonderful. And that's when I said, I'm an encourager. I really am. I see and ask, what do you want to do? Mm-hmm. Why do you want to do it that way? Any ideas? And so we went to the old church, which was now a big storeroom. They redecorated it. They made painted cabinets and that was their art room like we did so much because I said what do you want to do and they would say well could we try this and I said of course and they were just wonderful and it was from that place I got the call one day uh, to come to Reading to meet with our leadership team And they were saying, um, we understand that you would like to go to the missions. And I said, yes. <laughs> and they said, well, you have to have this, 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 and that before you could be considered. So you know how you can prepare. And one of the things was I had to finish my college degree which I did. I graduated from Kutztown and I already started my master's degree in theology. And um, actually I was starting my master's degree in math. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, who wants to study more math like this? But I started and I took some um, what I thought would be easy courses, uh, multicultural education, And I got the shock of my life when the professor said, (coughs) excuse me, Mm -hmm. oh, you're a sister. My blood sister is a sister. Um, So uh, I want to stretch you a little bit. All right. Well, you're going to have to you're going to have to stretch it into the next episode because we are getting down to the end of this one. Uh, But we are going to come back in part two with Sister Barbara. And you're going to hear uh, the finish of this story. And we are also going to get into her missionary. And those stories are really amazing. And you're going to love those. Um, remember to follow me on social media at Damn It Beaver on Twitter, Damn It With Beaver on Facebook and Instagram. 
And don't forget, there is the link tree. So as you enter the world this week, don't let the world get you down. Just say, damn it. And you move on. Beaver out. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.